Hi, this is Pastor Ron coming at you a little bit differently here today. Uh, we had a little glitch with our recording um, a little while back, so I'm going to redo this message. It was the end of a, I think, very productive series on overcoming temptation, uh, that battle with the flesh that we all face, those uh, inclinations physically and emotionally that quite frankly get us into a lot of trouble, right? So we've talked about a lot of ways to deal with them. And today, uh, we're going to start out with a question. Uh, finish this sentence, if you would. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Is that true? Sure it is. It's like auto maintenance. We know that just a little bit of effort, like regular oil changes, can prevent disaster like a blown head gasket that can cost thousands and thousands of dollars, right? Well, it's the same thing in this area of temptation. A little effort in preparation can prevent a major fall and disastrous results in our lives. Because let's face it, think about it for a minute. How many times do we face temptation and we are just totally unaware of what is going on, just completely by surprise? It happens, but it's pretty rare. Most of the time, it's situations that we faced before, we're familiar with, uh, situations that we're walking slowly into, but have not prepared ourselves for. So let's see maybe what an ounce of prevention is going to accomplish. That's going to be the title of the message today, an ounce of prevention. Hebrews chapter 4 beginning at verse 14 says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have a great high priest in Jesus. The, the, the job of the high priest was to bring God and man together. Aaron was the first one. That's when God started the sacrificial system, right? Where people would come with their animals and, and they would be sacrificed uh, for the sake of sin. So sin would be blotted out, and God and man could be reconciled together again. Jesus is not only the sacrifice, but he is that high priest. His job was to bring God and man together, right? I love that that Christmas verse, uh, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. So we have this great high priest, as the Bible says, though, that in his humanity, he was tempted in every area as we are. Now, think about it. Jesus was the son of God, but he was also human. Right. He had um, power, incredible power which he could have abused, right? Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. I mean, Jesus had all power. He could have abused that. He could have used it for his own purposes, selfish purposes, not only lording it over others, but think of the money he could have made, right? Um, he was admired by the ladies, for sure, right? He was, he was a strong, confident individual, again, with power, um, with a following, 
Uh, I, I mean, the, the guy could even multiply food. Right? So think of what he could have done if he would have taken that and focused it on himself. Jesus got angry. Jesus got frustrated. I, I think of the time when when Herod, um, because of some uh, perverted action towards his uh, stepdaughter-in-law, uh, offered her half the kingdom if she would dance for him. Right. And and what did what did she end up asking for on, on behest of her mother, the head of John the Baptist, John the Baptist, who was not only, as Jesus said, the, the greatest prophet because he was the forerunner to the Messiah. But he was also the cousin of Jesus, right? This was family. And this no account king has your cousin beheaded. Jesus was frustrated. Jesus was angry, right? Think of the temptation there. And obviously in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he knew that he was ultimately going to give himself. He knew that he would bear our sins on that cross. He knew the pain and suffering that he would endure. Think of the temptation to save himself, right? But he didn't. So in every area, not exactly, right? He doesn't live in 2022, and but in every area, he was tempted same way as we are, yet without sin. But notice, as the Bible says, because of those temptations, which he felt just as much as we do, he is able, in verse 15, to sympathize with our weaknesses, right? He understands. And again, as we've said before, his posture toward us is not one of condemnation and disappointment and holding us at arm length, right? He wants to help. He understands. He gets it. So then look what it says, verse 16, we can draw near to him with confidence. We have at First Baptist Church two different AA groups that meet, one on Saturday and one on Monday nights. And people come to those groups with confidence, don't they? Why? Because they're meeting with others who understand, others who don't condemn, but offer help and support. Likewise, as the Bible says, when we come before the throne of grace, right, the throne of grace, interesting term, right? First, it's a throne, right? The throne of the king of all kings, but it's also described as a throne of grace because the king is a king of grace. We've defined grace before as God's benevolent favor toward us along with his divine power that enables us to accomplish things the, the will of God, the purposes of God that we can't do on our own. It's by grace that we're saved. Why? Because we couldn't save ourselves. We'd never be good enough. Our most righteous moments are tainted by sin. Filthy rags, Isaiah says. We all fall short of the glory of God, Romans says. It's his grace then, his benevolent favor and his power shown through the cross of Christ that saves us who believe. <clears throat> So when we come to the Lord with our weaknesses and our sin, we come before a throne of grace. Aren't you glad? Right. We come before a throne of favor, a throne where God offers us his power, his wisdom for our lives. And we come to a 
to a high priest who understands, who gets it, who's not going to condemn us, but who wants to help us. Getting back to AA for a minute. One of the most important aspects that determines the success of this potentially life-changing ministry is this. It's the attitude in which someone comes. If they come in denial or full of excuses or feeling like it's a waste of time, what's it going to be? It's going to be a waste of time for that person, right? But if someone comes broken, humble, honest. Hi, my name's Ron and I'm an alcoholic, right? Then what do they find? They find help. They find support. They find healing and hope. So when you and I come before the throne of grace, yes, we come confidently knowing we come before someone who understands. But likewise, you and I can't come in denial with a bunch of excuses, blaming others. It's their fault I fell into temptation. It's their fault I blew up. It's their fault, right? When we do that, we're going to get nothing from the Lord. Are you with me? Also, we cannot come, as I have in the past, um, for a quick patch job. Right? What, 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 am, what am I saying? That, that we just want to get forgiven and, and move on. Right. Just patch things up with the Lord quick um, with, without a real, true sense of repentance. Right. We know that when we come to God, we confess our sins. The Bible says he's going to forgive us. Right. So so we just Lord, I, I confess and, and we want to be done with it. But we have to come again with that sense of brokenness. We have to come with a sincere acknowledgement of wrong. And a heart to change. Because if we don't, um, we're, we're just we're just going to walk away. I'm forgiven and probably most likely fall right into that same thing again. I'll never forget the time our oldest granddaughter was about two and her older brother was picking on her. We were together for a family thing and everybody's doing something. And and I can't remember exactly what he did, but she got mad and she hauled off and kicked him about as hard as she could, which got him crying. And uh, my daughter did what most of us as parents have done at one time or another. Tell your brother you're sorry. Right. I'll never forget what she said. She said, I'm just a little sorry. And of course, we just laughed. We were rolling with that statement. But right, she she was she was sincere, wasn't she? She was honest, right? But when we come before the Lord, it's not I'm just a little sorry. It's not I just want to patch it up quick. It's got to be Lord, I blew it. I blew it. You want a, a wonderful look at what repentance looked like? Look at Psalm 51 sometime. Uh, David, after his sin with Bathsheba and how he was cut to the heart by what he had done and confessing it before the Lord. It's got to be sincere. But if it is, we're going to find ourselves getting help from the Lord. And this next one, as we come to the Lord uh, before that throne of grace, trips a lot of us up. We also cannot come before that throne vowing to do better. What? what? What are you talking about? You ever do that? I have. Right. But what what happens when we come saying, Lord, I'm sorry I blew it. I'm going to do better next time. Right. What is our ultimate um, 
trust in. It's back on us. It's back on our willpower. It's back on our human resources to be able to overcome this thing on our own. And if we could do that, we wouldn't be there in the first place, would we? Right? So understand what is grace? Grace is God's divine power to enable us to do what we cannot do on our own. When we vow to do better, we're putting it back on us. When we come before the throne of grace, we come honestly, humbly, broken, then we look to him for his power. It becomes a thing now, something by faith, something in trust, something that we look to him for, which he is more than willing to give us. Look at it again. Verse 16 of Hebrews 4. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. What's mercy? Forgiveness, right? First John 1, 9, we receive mercy. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we confess them, John says, right? He's faithful to what? Faithful to the shed blood of Jesus. And he's just, he's not just saying, oh, okay, no big deal. No, that sin was paid for. The justice of God was served, right? It all fell upon Jesus. He paid the ultimate price for our sin, you and me, right? So we come before that throne of grace, we receive mercy. But number two, we receive grace. Okay, let me quick, um, uh, quick distinction between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Okay, mercy, not getting what we do deserve. We deserve God's punishment. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve God uh, casting us away from himself for our sin. We don't get that. We get mercy. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. God offering us his power, his wisdom, right? His strength, his peace in the midst of our difficulties. So we receive mercy and then we receive grace. And this is critical. Um, grace to help, the Bible says, in time of need. When is the time of need? The past is over. We don't need God's grace, his enabling power for the temptation that we <laughs> blew it with yesterday. Right. That's done. It's over. No, the temptation is something that we will face later today, tomorrow, next week and so on. So grace is for the future. And this, again, is where so many of us can miss it because we're looking for that quick patch job to get quick forgiveness and move on. We don't wait long enough for that grace to help for the future. What do I mean by that? Well, grace can come to us. God's, again, giving us something that can include understanding. It can include wisdom, can include revelation and even planning and preparing for the future. Think of it this way. Think of a coach. What does a good coach do? Right. They don't say, all right, you struck out. Give me 50 laps. And, that, and that's it. No. If they're a coach worth their salt. They're going to say, OK, it's a good try, but I was watching you and every time you went to swing that bat, 
you took your eye off the ball. Okay. Now, remember, we talked about this. This is how to focus on that ball when it's coming to you. And oh, by the way, you're also, you need to spread your feet a little bit farther apart. You're a little off balance, right? What is the coach doing? The coach is trying to develop the player. They're trying to get the best out of that player. They're trying to help that player succeed. That's exactly who God is. That's exactly what, what the whole purpose of coming before the throne of grace is to develop us to be more successful, to be our best, to avoid the temptations that get us into problems and walk in the ways of God that bring blessing into our lives and the lives of others, right? So I've told you these are lessons uh, that, that I've learned personally in my own struggle. One particular time, I can recall as I waited in the Lord's presence, the Lord said to me this. He said, think about this for a minute. What need are you trying to meet? I had come to him. I had blown it. And and, and here I am in his presence. I confessed it before him. He says, what need were you trying to meet in this situation? Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we brought up the the whole thing about comfort food. It's something that we can all relate to, uh, the vast majority of us anyway, right? So what do we need in that situation? We need comfort. We need security. We need relief from stress. We need something um, positive, something pleasurable on our taste buds, right, to overcome the negative that we're feeling. Right. It's kind of like the old song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. We have a need. We're trying to fulfill uh, the vast majority of times in temptation. We're trying to fill a need, but we're trying to fill it the wrong way. So um, the Lord then, after helping me to find my answer, he said, now let's look at my provision to meet that need. And he took me into the scriptures and he opened them up and he showed me his promises to meet that need in my life. Something which was better, something which was a lot more effective, a lot more lasting and guilt-free, right? So coming to that understanding helped prepare me so that the next time I faced that prevention or that, that temptation, I could stop and say, do I want to go this way, which is temporary, which is going to get me in a place of guilt and shame and and having to confess and all that later? Or do I want to reach out to the Lord for his provision in this time? You hearing me? Okay. That grace can also come through um, looking at that scenario and again, waiting in the presence of God. Let's replay like a sports team, you know, watching the replays to learn where they went wrong on a certain thing. We say, God, I blew it. I got upset and I said and did things that were not helpful. I confessed my sin and weakness to you. And God says, "Okay, let's run through that scenario again. What was it that triggered you? Why? Did that trigger you? Two very important questions. The why could be related to something that happened in the past when you felt embarrassed, uh, when I when I felt helpless. Right. I, and I, I decided I'm never going to feel that way again. So I'm going to control this situation and respond in anger generally. Right. Uh, so God can say, listen, you, you, you found 
where that situation started. You found where that original uh, feeling happened. Did you forgive that person from your past? Have you dealt with that? Has your heart been healed from that? Because until we forgive, as long as we hold it over someone else to um, for our well-being, God can't come in and heal us, right? As soon as we forgive, when we write that off, when we let that person go, then God can be the one responsible to heal our hearts from those wounds and help us to move forward, okay? So it's understanding of the situation. What need am I trying to make? What what trigger uh, was was at going on at the time? Why did I respond the way I did? All this while we wait in the presence of the Lord so he can begin to speak to us and help us to deal with those things more effectively and, again, guilt-free. And, and then God can also remind us, give us revelation of truth. And, and, and remember, no matter what anyone says or does, have I not promised that I will be with you, that I will never leave you or forsake you? Aren't I the one that is in charge of your life, in charge of your well-being? So why does what someone else say or do, why does that have to trigger you like that? It doesn't. Because they don't have to affect your life. You're giving them the power to do that. Give me the power to do that. Trust me for that. Let that other person go and rejoice in the fact that I am your I am. What do you need? I am. I am the the, the controller of your well-being. And I am the sovereign God of the universe. Right? Are you are you are you getting the point here? That, that if we just say, Lord, I'm sorry, and, and get up and walk away, we miss all of this, this grace to help in time of need. Here's another bit of wisdom I got from uh, Dr. Neil Anderson, who uh, wrote, I, and I, I can't remember which book that it's in, Victory Over the Darkness or The Bondage Breaker. I recommend both, uh, just great books. But he points to uh, the Kathy comic strip. Are you, are you familiar with Kathy? Um, in, in one of these comic strips, she says, I'm going for a drive, but I'm not going to the store. Next panel in the comic. I'm going to the store, but I'm not going in. Next panel. I'm going in, but I'm not going near the candy aisle. Then I'm going to the candy aisle, but I'm not going to buy anything. Well, then I'm going to buy this, but I'm not going to eat any. Right. And then at the end, of course, she eats the whole bag of candy. And Anderson makes this incredible uh, profound point. First Corinthians 10, 13, God promises that with temptations, he will provide the way of escape. So the question is, when was the way of escape? Was it when she was sitting there with an open bag of candy? Or was it before she got in the car in the first place? Are you with me? Okay. All these things we can learn and glean from God as we wait in his presence. Grace to help us in time of need. Wisdom. Here's some more wisdom. How about bringing one or more trusted people into our struggle? I'll never forget the time I was going through something and I finally grabbed somebody else. I said, you got to help me. You got to pray for me. I'm going through this. And that person said, you know, 
I struggled with that too. And I'll tell you, that was huge for me, that I wasn't the only Christian with a struggle in my life, right? That that I wasn't, as, as the enemy wanted to say to me over and over and over again, you're bad, you're wrong, you can't handle it like everybody else. You're falling, you're a poor excuse for a Christian, and on and on and on. The accuser of the brethren, excuse my voice here today, still recovering from a sinus infection here. But uh, again, just bringing someone else into it, somebody that you trust, somebody that that you know is not going to condemn you, um, but will, again, be someone who understands, someone who at least knows you as a person, loves you as a person, and is not going to hold something against you, but is going to be there for you, pray with you, uh, be be there if you're, if you're going to call them up and say, hey, you know, I just blew it or I'm heading into a struggle. Would you stand with me here? Uh, that, what a wonderful gift we have in the body of Christ. Right. Yeah. So um, other wisdom. Um, it may be building guardrails. Guardrails against sin. Things that we can put in place to help us so that we don't fall into uh, different situations. Um you're you're getting too close to this person at work uh, and you're married and they're married and these feelings are there. Right. What do you do? You transfer to another department. You get another job. You don't break up two families. You feel this thing coming on. You got to do something to put the kibosh on this thing before it's too late. Right. Um, pornography. So many men deal with the temptation of pornography and women now more and more uh, as the years go by. Um, so prevalent, so easy to get to, so private on a on a phone or or, or a desktop, or laptop, whatever. Um, easy, but there's software that you can put in place that will block that. You can you can put accountability partners in there that know what you're searching for, know that the sites that you go to, again, trusted people that won't condemn you, but will hold you accountable. Hey, I saw your report. What's going on? What's, you know, uh, you asked me to stand with you in this. Can we pray together? And uh, uh, very, very helpful. I have it on all my devices. I, I went down that road years ago. Don't want to have any desire to go down that road again. Um, but also as a as an example to the men of the church. Hey, um, good thing to do. Good practice to have. But do you see it as we look to the Lord in this thing? An ounce of prevention. Right. Very rarely are we taken totally by surprise. We see temptations down the road. We know certain things set us off. Preventative. Where, though? In the presence of God. When we get before him, no excuses, no no blaming something else, no, you know, trying to, ah, Lord, I'm going to, you know, no. Broken, humble, God help me here. How can I avoid this thing in the future? Talk to me. And God is a God, if we will wait before him, who will speak to our hearts, who will give us that ounce of prevention that'll save us down the road, heartbreak, heartache, difficulties that we didn't need to face. Because he's a good God. He's a loving God. He is for us 
and wants to help us in our time of need. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father, God, I hope that you would just plant this truth in our minds. That we can come with no condemnation to a God who loves us, who is for us. But God, that we would stay in your presence after we confess and hear from you that our lives can be changed. That you can bring out of us the best. Bring us into, Lord, a place uh, where we are successful and thriving in our lives. Not only, Lord, for us, but that our lives can show to the world that God is awesome. And we thank you for that. Be glorified in it. We praise you. We thank you. Through Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Trust this uh, message was meaningful to you. And uh, look forward to hearing reports of what God is doing in our lives. Amen. Take care.